Happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Welcome to a special Thanksgiving Day edition of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I hope you are enjoying a beautiful Thanksgiving Day wherever you are and whatever time of day it is um, where you are whenever you're listening to this. Maybe you're listening on the Faith Radio app. If so, congratulations. So glad you've downloaded that. If you do not have the Faith Radio app downloaded on your phone, today's a great day to do that because you might have, you know, teenagers available, kids available who can help you do it if you've never been able to figure out how. Today would be a great day to do that. Say, hey, I want to be able to hear Mornings with Carmen or Afternoons with uh, Bill, um, and I want to hear it some other time of the day or night. And so can you help me download the Faith Radio app on my phone so I can have access to my favorite shows every hour of the day and night? And I bet you can find somebody willing to help you do that today. So there you go, a Thanksgiving opportunity that will be intergenerational yeah, you can share with them why you like to live, listen to Faith Radio, and they can share with you how to access it anytime, anywhere on the Faith Radio app. How cool would that be? All right, I want to spend a couple of minutes counting um, our spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. When you think about the way that God blesses us and the myriad number of ways in which God blesses us, what makes your, like, God-blessed list? I'm so God-blessed, um, and so... Certainly my list starts with just the knowledge that he is. I'm so thankful to know that he is and to know that I know that he is, right? And to be confident of that, to live in the knowledge of the goodness of God um, and to have access to his word. Not that I have just a general, you know, belief that, well, there is a God because otherwise, like, how could all of this be? but that I know specifically who God is because he has revealed himself in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. And then the revelation of God fully in the person of Jesus Christ. Wow, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Add to that the spirit of the living God. Wow, right? We talk about the blessings of God in our lives, and all of those um, aren't even yet sort of in the material category. I mean, I guess the Bible's kind of in the material category, but you get my point. What about the spiritual blessing of grace? Amazing, pervasive, persistent, all-sufficient grace. What about the spiritual blessing of hope? Enduring, encouraging, enlightening, enveloping, inviting hope. What about the blessing it is to be called a child of God, an ambassador of the Prince of Peace, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, a co-heir with Christ, a co-missionary with Christ, a minister of reconciliation, the very light of the world. I mean, don't you feel blessed today to be called by name, to be given a new name, to be restored and recovered by God, redeemed? Those are spiritual blessings. Friends, you have received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and your life is no longer your own. So let's offer back to God in thanksgiving all the spiritual blessings he has bestowed upon us as his beloved children. 
Hey, during this uh, special edition of Mornings with Carmen on this holiday week, um, we're going to air part of a conversation that we had with Justin Whitmill early today on the theology of parenting. And part two, you can listen to tomorrow. In one minute, Justin Early here on Mornings with Carmen. Can I have some more? Oh, mama, get the turkey in my belly. Oh, mama, with the cranberry jelly. Oh, mama, come on and sing it with me. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, mama, get the turkey in my belly. She's your mother. You love her. There won't be another place like her again that you call. All right, if you didn't put your thinking cap on yet, um, now would be the time. Justin Early is back. Um, you remember him from our conversations about the common rule. Um, and um, what, what's the parenting one about home, the household? What are we habits doing in the household? Habits of the household. Habits yeah, of the household. I, habits of the household. Such, um, such good conversations, such excellent um, work, such excellent books. Um, Justin, I love what you've been doing on your website, and we're going to direct people to it, JustinWhitmullEarly.com. But on your website, Justin, you've been unrolling this series on the theology of parenting. So let's start with, wow, big, big theological category areas, atonement, sanctification, creation, resurrection, right. and there's eight of them. So talk with us about these theological uh, I mean, point, I guess we'll use the word points. Um, and then we'll talk about how they're reflected in the life of the parent. Sure. Yeah. Well, this all occurred to me this spring when my pastor, his name is Corey, we're at Third Church here in Richmond, was doing a sermon series on atonement just before Easter. And he mentioned as an ex- application point that, you know, if you're a parent, you understand a certain aspect of atonement. That is that you've got to give your life for someone else to thrive. And it was a wonderful little application point because every parent in the room realized in- intuitively, oh wait, that's what I do. I die all these little deaths every day, waking up in the middle of the night or bending down to clean up that milk again or talking my teenager through a problem that I don't want to talk about right now. There's all these little ways that we sacrifice so that our kids can thrive. And suddenly I just had this light bulb moment where I thought, I bet atonement is not the only concept that we can understand even more by reflecting on the life of parenting. And so I just started all this brainstorming and journaling about, you know, what what else do we learn about God by being a parent? And it led me to all these categories. Yeah, so talk just quickly, um list the 8 and then we'll take um we'll take a minute and unpack each one. Yeah, so I'm sure you could do this um ad infinitum and keep going. But the eight that I looked at were atonement, incarnation, sanctification, creation, quorum Deo, grace and truth, and resurrection. So those were those were some that inspired me. All right. And quorum Deo for people who um, haven't been in Latin lately. Yeah, it's the idea of being before the face of God. It's a, a kind of a theological concept that's been uh, reflected throughout the millennia of Christian thinkers, basically saying that the the point of life is to be in the presence or before the face of God. So I tend to think of that as living my life before an audience of one. That's mm, sort of my very good. my yes. my personal quorum deo uh, theology. Um, so um, when we talk about atonement, we're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about Jesus's 
sacrifice for us um, upon the cross. Um, when we're talking about parenting and we're talking about living out a theology of atonement, um, you know, there is this endless number of sacrifices that we make for our children each and every day, it, just in order that they would be able to survive, let alone thrive. Is that the yes. gist of the of of this section? That, that is the gist of, of atonement. And the idea is that the idea is, we, you know, we can learn a lot about who God is, right? Theology being the study of who God is through books and through sermons um, and through reading our Bible and reflection. And those are wonderful. But there is also reality that we can, and I think this is a, kind of a beautiful freeing reality. We can learn about God through living the life that God has called us to as well. And so what I'm, you know, I'm thinking about a category like atonement, like what can we learn about this rich category of atonement just by being the parent God has called us to be? And you can, and I hope this encourages parents, you know, think about all the things that you don't want to do every day that you're nonetheless called to do and realize that you can be edified, encouraged, and formed in the image of Jesus Christ by doing them for the sake of loving your kids, just like Jesus did what he had to do for you, making you a child of God. And this teaches you something about the rich nature of atonement as you go about in the small sacrifices of your day. It also totally distinguishes Christian parenting or, or Christians who are parents from other parents in the culture. I mean, there's no way that you could have a conversation about your child being a choice or, um, uh, or a conversation about living, you know, your best life. I mean, I, I imagine this is, um, this is where when I see people resenting their children, when I see people mm. resent, resenting their, that their kid is sick or resenting that they've got to go do, pick up their kid at school or like when that resentment comes out, when I see that, I know I'm dealing with a, with a parent who's not a Christian. They do not wow. understand the, the sacrificial love of the father expressed through the son and they're not living a Holy Spirit empowered life. Like you can see it. Um, that is a wonderful way to, to distinguish the call of a Christian parent. I mean, I think about the whole concept of abortion is mm. an evil inversion of our call as parents. I mean, in abortion, we, we literally say, this child needs to die so that I can live the life that I want to live, which is mm. the opposite of the gospel, where, where Jesus said, I will die so that my children can thrive. That, you know, the paradigm of the gospel is our paradigm of parenting, mm -hmm. which is why atonement is such a, I think, a rich concept to kick off a, a look at the theology of parenting. So the next um, step in, in the conversation about the theology of parenting that you unpacked is this quorum deo, this attention is life, this concept that the Christian life is lived before the face of God. Let's apply that to um, parenting. Yeah, well, this is a rich and beautiful concept because it, it gets at the idea that what we're looking for in our life with God is literally just to be in his presence before his face, right? This is what we had in Eden. This is what we lost in the fall. This is what the, the death and resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit gives us back, the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. And this is what we find in the kingdom in Revelation, that we are present and looking at God. And so part of our spiritual DNA is, is to behold each other is to behold God. And there is a beautiful reflection of this that any parent will intuit, if you think about it, that <laughs> your kids are looking for you, right? Like watch your, me, your kids, watch uh, me, yeah, watch, watch exactly. me. Like mm -hmm. the amount of times I hear you, Papa, watch, or that I hear them say, hey, Mommy, watch. 
Um, your kids crave your presence and your attention just as our souls crave the presence and the face of God. The character of God is to never withhold that, to always give that. The, the mediating sacrifice of Jesus Christ means that we always have the face of God. And, you know, practical point to apply in parenting, think about how you are like a God, not a God. You are reflecting the character of God to your kids when you give them your attention. And of course, this means crossing the, the chasm of screens and smartphones and realizing that there are competing things in your life that take your face elsewhere. So this is a one way we can dwell on the beauty of God saying his face is always with his children. How could we give our attention to our children and realize that is one of our main calls as parents? It brings to mind um, the blessing in in Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face yes. to shine upon you and be gracious unto yes. you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I mean, I think that, mm. yeah, God um, God is doing for us what he then in turn um, certainly hopes we will do for, um, for others, in particular our children. We're talking with Justin Early. We're talking about the theology of parenting. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. And we'll be right back with the incarnation. He put that hunger in your heart. He put that fire in your soul. His love is the reason. We're talking with Justin Early. We're talking about the theology of parenting. You can find um, all of these posts on his website, justinwhitmullearly.com. Um, the next one is incarnation. And this is the embodiment one. Like this is the mm-hmm. this is the formation one. And so talk talk with us about applying the theology or living out the theology of the incarnation in our parenting. Yes, this is just something I love to dwell on every Advent and Christmas season. That the reality that God does not just want to communicate things to us in words or in speech. He desires to be with us, amongst us, even when it's at great cost to him. So part of the richness of the incarnation is thinking that God wants to be embodied with us. There is no end to the application points you could think about for this, for parenting. I mean, think think about that parenting is not about primarily telling your kids things. It's not primarily about educating them. Um, It's not primarily about getting them into the right school or getting them the right achievements. It's about being with them and forming them into a lover of God and neighbor by your presence. So there's just all these things we could think about, about, oh, this, the, just like God insists on being amongst and with us in order to love us into the creations he's called us to be. We, in raising our kids, need to think primarily in terms of how are we with them? How are we amongst them, relating to them, and forming them into a lover of God and neighbor? Words do matter, but presence matters more. So you would love, if you've never read it, Kara Powell's Growing With, um, because mm. this that's like the theme of her whole book, and it's really written for parents of teenagers. And so, you know, like, how are we going to be with them in this stage of life? And what does withing look like? And so, anyway, oh, so, su- wow, I will super check that strong. out. That's beautiful. Right. Yeah, super strong on this incarnational piece. All right. Talk with us about sanctification. Um like I, this is hard because, right? We we want our kids to be achievers. We want them to do well, but yeah, they don't have to do stuff to get us to love them. No, they don't. I mean, sanctification is the the, the idea that God is not finished with us after salvation, and this is a just you know rich concept for you to dwell on this morning. Think about that. You know, you are saved 
by grace. And that work is finished, which is incredible. It means, though, that the, your life is now secure with God, but it's he's not done with you. He is still crafting you into that finished product that he has called you to be. And the way that he goes about this sanctification is the same way he goes about his salvation. That is by grace. You know, so the idea of sanctification does mean that we are becoming more like Christ, but that's not about earning. That's not about earning the favor of God, but it is about effort. It's about cooperating with God and receiving that grace and doing something with it. Uh, so how do we apply that to parenting? Parenting? Well, think about your kids should never feel like they need to earn your love, period. Period. That's how we reflect the char character of God to them. But... Your kids, and you should be helping them, put effort into growing into the people that they should be. And so that means that the idea of discipline and motivation are things that we're, we can't, as Christian parents, do through shame, do through withholding our love from them. We can call them forward, but it has to be through grace, gentle, loving, persistent grace, just like our Savior calls us forward. I, I just, I love that one. Um, that that particular one, Justin, um, I put like like stars next to because I think for me that's mm -hmm. um, it's hard, right? There's you're trying to encourage them, you're trying to motivate them. They're each unique, and so they're motivated and encouraged by different things. And anyway, that one was really helpful for me. Well, yes. talk with us about a um, a good theology of creation and what that has to do with our parenting. Oh yeah, well, creation, and, and I love so if you've ever done a systematic theology. Um, course or just looked into it, you, you'll go through all these aspects of the world and God and, and people. And I've always loved thinking about the theology of creation, the idea that God's love overflows into his acts of creation. I mean, you might think, you know, why did he, why did he do it? Like, why did he invent the word? Because he's overflowing generous love. And that idea that God's love creates life is the theology of creation, but it's also the theology of biology, right? I mean, there's this, mm. there's this idea that what makes children? The love of a mother and father coming together. We, they, biologically, they do not exist without a mother and father. But it doesn't stop there. We continue to create life in our homes and our kids through the words we speak to them. And I love the parallel to creation. They think about well, how did God create the world through his overflowing love? By speaking it into existence. And it just it gives me a way to grab onto the importance of my words in the home. I can create or destroy life as a father by speaking the words of affirmation and love or by speaking the words of anger and shame. And so it's, it's a rich place for you to dwell on the power of your words. You are an image bearer of God. You can create life through your words, but you are also a fallen image bearer. And anyone, everyone who has a parent knows that the words of a parent can be the most dangerous or the most life-giving thing that you experience. So use your words to build life and be careful not to use them to shame or to condemn. Okay, we don't have time to do the last the last three, so can I just be like, this is so inappropriate for me to ask on air, but will you come back in a couple of weeks and we can do the other three? <laughs> you know I'll always <laughs> say yes, so that's not inappropriate. Okay. You know what I'll so say. <laughs> So here's what I want to say to um to uh on this on the cre on this creation one. Uh this was the one that took me most directly back to the common rule. 
um, mm. because this is the in the word of God before you're into anything else one. This is the one yes. that if I'm not in the word of God, then the word of God is not in me. And that therefore, what's going to come out of me when I speak to my children and to everyone else is not going to be, you know, seasoned with what what God's view on something would be and God's spirit and the tenderness with which he speaks. So um, this one yes. for me was uh, really intimately connected back to the common rule. All right. Well, we just got Justin to commit to coming back and doing the last three with us. Grace and truth, <laughs> evil exists, and resurrection. We're going to continue in a couple of weeks um, because we have our fall fundraiser next week. So we can't do it next week. But the week after, maybe, we'll be able to talk with um, Justin again. And we'll talk with these last three areas of theology as we apply them to parenting. But you can actually get it all right now at Justin whitmillearly.com. Justin, um, as always, thank you so much. What a gift. You bet. Thank you, Carmen. Can't wait to come back. Well, well, we can't wait to have you back. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. As we continue our celebration of this Thanksgiving Day, we're going to revisit a conversation we had earlier on Mornings with Carmen with Shannon Atchison. The topic is the clutter fix. And as I look around my house on this Thanksgiving, oh, buddy, do I need a clutter fix? Have you got piles? Are you a piles person? I'm a piles person. I'm kind of envious of the file people, but in reality, the file people file stuff away, and I would never know how to find it. Are you a pile person or a file person? Is the clutter fix for me as a pile person? Can I actually organize my clutter? Can I declutter a little bit so I feel slightly more free of the piles in my life? Shannon's going to share with us next on this special edition of Mornings with Carmen. All right. Shannon Atchison is here to help us. She is here to deliver us from the piles in our houses. Um, this is uh, this is just a precious uh, book and conversation. The book is The Clutter Fix. Shannon, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. I love, I'm so excited to be here. We're, we're so desperately in need of your help. <laughs> Fair. All right. So, I mean, right. My, my, uh, my house is a mess uh, pretty much in like every direction. I think because we own too much stuff. And when you when you have too much stuff, then there's no place for things that come in the front door to go. And so then they just end up in a pile or a corner or sitting on top of something. So can you talk with us about the clutter and what it's doing to us? This is kind of the why behind we need to simplify our home. So why do I need to do this? Um, clutter just affects your your mood, your outlook, um, how you function in your space. I mean, God is, we are created in God's image and he is a God of order. And um, so when things are chaotic and a disaster in our house, it's it affects us to our core. And so, yeah, clutter just, that's, it makes us feel depressed. It makes us feel anxious. It makes us feel like our work is never done. Um, it's just a really tricky, hard thing. Yeah. So um, so now we're going to talk about the how, because Clutter Fix is really a how-to book. And hey, if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, 
I I desperately need help with this. We are giving away copies today of The Clutter Fix, the Ah. no-fail stress-free guide to uh, organizing your home. Yep. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll enter you into the drawing um, for the books we have to give away. You can also uh, contact, uh, connect with Shannon directly at her website, homemadelovely.com, homemadelovely.com, homemadelovely.com. Yeah, I love that. It's fantastic. (laughs) All right, so let's talk, um, let's jump into um, a a little bit of the how. Lots of, uh, lots of how in this book, but it starts with my organizational personality. So what is an organizational personality and how does knowing my organizational personality help me declutter? Um, so there's, so there's two things. So there's a declutter or clutter personalities and organizing personalities. And your clutter personality is sort of the why you collect clutter specifically to you. So are you a, you know, a worry wart and you collect it because you think I might need that someday just in case? Or are you, you know, a bargain hunter and you buy it just because it's on sale, not because you actually need it or several other reasons. And then the organizing personalities will help you, um, really figure out once you've cleared out stuff, how to then organize it in a way that works for you and anybody else that works in your house or lives in your house, sorry. And so then that will really help you. Those two things combined will help you to avoid collecting more clutter uh, going forward and then how to keep it all, all your stuff that you actually need organized in your space. So when I was single, um, I did not have the same challenges that I have now, um, that I live in a home that's populated by other people. Mm-hmm. And so talk with us a, a little bit about, um, you know, I want, I want to fix my clutter, but I also recognize I, I'm not, um, I'm not living all by myself in my space. Right. So, you know, not everyone's going to feel the same way as you do about the clutter in your house to the same degree as you do. And so the best thing you can do is to sort of one sort of lead by example, make it, you know, look after your own things and then set sort of expectations for the common areas of the house that everybody shares. You know, I have kids, they're actually grown now, they're 18, 19 and 22. And so I don't tell them how to look after their rooms anymore. We sort of did all that when they were younger. And if I don't like how their room is now, I just don't go in. Um, but when they're younger, you know, you sort of help them through it. You make it easy for them. You give them um, the tools that they need. You give them um, time. You sort of put it into a regular schedule thing. So it's not coming at them out of left field. All of a sudden you decided, oh, my gosh, we have to do this all at once. And then you don't seemingly don't care again for months and months and months. Right. So you know, you sort of set the tone for the house and you, you know, for the other adult in your house, presumably that you then you have a conversation and you communicate just like everything else in a relationship. You communicate with them why it's important to you and then ask them if they sort of seem reluctant to participate, ask them really truly to figure out what it is that they don't want, don't like about it. Are they holding on to things because they're sentimental things? They just don't like the work of it, you know, what it is, and then try and sort of work through that together. And then putting systems in place so that it's much easier. Once everything has a home, it's, it is a little easier. Will you have to remind them? Probably to put things away. I, I mean, I still do. And we've, we've lived like this for a very long time. And so, you know, it, it just is. That's that's kind of the part of being, you know, a mom and a <laughs> a spouse. You do have to do reminding sometimes. Um, nobody's perfect. So 
Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can do is just to not blindside them, make it easy for them, talk about it, find out what it is, and then work toward common goals. I mean, if you've got a clutter-free house, that means you don't have to spend every Saturday necessarily, you know, doing this massive cleanup because everything's gotten out of hand. Um, You can spend that time doing something fun instead, maybe, or you know, if you've got a room cleared out, you can put that big screen TV in there and watch games together or whatever it is that works for you and your house. All right. When we talk about what works for us, there, um, mm-hmm. there, there is a very, very like personal aspect to all of this. When you talk about um, clutter personalities and organizational personalities, um, I remember when, um, you know, for the first time I lived with roommates in college, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's when you discover that the way <laughs> that you grew up and were raised and or operate, particularly like in relationship to the bathroom or the kitchen, like mm-hmm. that's where then that all comes out, right? My sister yeah. um, called it at some point, she talked about my, um, that she and I had different um, uh, dirt thresholds or or, <laughs> to- or different tolerances for chaos Um, Mm -hmm. Because she is literally a person who, before she goes to bed every night, everything in her house looks exactly like she would want it to look when she gets up in the morning. Right. Because, you know, like, right, she has this very low tolerance for chaos and (laughs) And I'm like, huh. So um, I'm wired a little bit differently than that. And so I do, I mean, when I read that in your book, I'm like, oh, I resonate with this. I totally get this. Mm -hmm. I feel this. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to talk with you um, when we come back from a very brief break. Mm-hmm. where we can begin, like maybe just a couple of things that everybody listening could do today to mm-hmm. start decluttering um, our homes and our lives. Could we Could we do that? Absolutely, for sure. I love that. We're talking with Shannon Atchison. The book is The Clutter Fix, the no-fail, stress-free guide to organizing your home. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. You got me singing like All right. Clearly, uh, this conversation with Shannon is striking a chord. Lots of you interested in the book. I love, um, I love to see that. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. If you need the clutter fix, you can also visit directly, um, and connect with Shannon online. The website is homemadelovely.com. From there, you can get on all of her socials as well. Um, Shannon, talk with us about where to begin. Are there, are there some specific things that we could do today to begin decluttering? Of course. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things. Um, one of them would be to check out the book. There's an, there's, um, a long list of 120 things that you can throw away guilt free without even thinking about it. Cause I know a lot of us, when we start decluttering, we sort of get in the weeds and go, should I get rid of this? What if, what if? And so that list, I mean, you don't even have to think about it. There's like 120 things. If you don't have the book yet, if you go to my website, there's a list of 50 things on the website. It's sort of a starter list. Um, So those are really, really helpful to help clear out like right now. The other thing you can do is you can sort of choose a room. And if a room is too overwhelming for you, choose a drawer or a shelf and sort of just clear it out. Get rid of the things that are broken beyond repair. Throw them out. um, Recycle them if they're recyclable. You know, be responsible. But, you know, get rid of the things that are so obvious right now that you don't need to keep them. If there's garbage, if you've got a stack of receipts from three years ago that you, that aren't tax related, obviously, you know, that you don't need, get rid of them. Like 
those things are easy to get rid of and you just have to do it. The other thing is, is to take a quick run around through your house and return things to rooms if they obviously aren't in the room they belong in. Say you've got kids toys that belong in the playroom, but they've sort of been hanging out in the living room for a while. Just put those things away. Just those things will really help to get a start and to help you feel like you can do this and you can make progress and and make your home much less full of clutter. Okay, so on your list of 120 things that I can give away mm-hmm. uh, or get rid of guilt-free, mm-hmm. um, yep. I, I would just like to contest socks without mates because <laughs> aren't they coming back at some point? Isn't that, and I'm not going to find that other sock? Well, <sighs> if it's been kicking around for a while, I'll buy itself. Probably not. <laughs> I love, I don't know, I one love of my daughter's words. I love Sorry. this list, by the way. No, I love this list. Yeah, you know, people needed, we all need somewhere to start that's easy, right? We need to feel like we can make progress and build that confidence in ourselves, especially if the clutter's been a thing for a long time. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> if you could attach the word expired, broken, or old <laughs> yeah. to the front of yeah. anything, then it is on the list of 120 things you can get rid of guilt-free today. Um, yeah. This list, actually, I think I'm going to go over with. Um, I mean, the word expired is really like helpful. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go over this list with my family because mm-hmm. I feel like in terms of, you know, in terms of saying to a kid, all right, you know what? I need you to clean out your closet or clean out your drawers or clean out your, or, you know, da, da, da. If they yeah. had a list that, you know, okay, a sock without a mate, anything that, you know, has a date on it that is past, you know, that is earlier than today, like, those (laughs) are helpful things, because, you know, for them, or if it doesn't fit anymore, if you haven't worn it in a year, I mean, you know, on and on Mm -hmm. and on, so it's it's really, really, really good. Okay, so I like that in the book, you offer us these various methods of decluttering. Now, everybody listening, other than you, Shannon, knows that my word for the year is purge, Okay. So I know this wow. is 2022 and this was my year of the purge. And my friend Jessica actually came up from Atlanta and spent three days with me earlier this year helping me purge. Now we only got wow. through like three rooms, but right. it was a ma- it was massively different. And, and I really need her to come back and now we need to do three more rooms, right? This is <laughs> yeah. not something that, um, so we took the, now that I've read your book, we took the mm-hmm. weekend, weekend marathon approach, right? And right. you can only do so much in a weekend marathon. You got to start somewhere. But I also mm-hmm. want to commend 10 minutes a day or the 30 yeah. day whole home approach. Talk with us about various methods of decluttering and, um, you know, and give people some, you know, some sense of some ideas. And then I'd love for you to talk about this sort of what season you're in conversation, because there's also sort of seasonal decluttering in life. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few methods to declutter. Uh, I outline three of them in the book. One is sort of this 10 minutes a day where if your house isn't completely overwhelming, um, but it's cluttered and you can just take or your t- or your schedule is really, really full and you can just take 10 minutes a day and tackle a space, set a timer. So then, you know, when that 10 minutes is done and, you know, there's something about having an end to it that makes it that much easier. Um, will it take a little bit longer, like um, days wise or whatever to get through it all? Yeah, but you're making progress little by little. And that is huge. Um, the weekend marathon is sort of if you 
can arrange for childcare and <laughs> if you've got kids and just have a full weekend and you plan it out, there's worksheets to plan it out, which rooms you'll tackle, um, what you'll do, even what meals you'll eat so that you're not left sort of trying to figure that out in a weekend. If you really just need to get some rooms done, um, that method's for you. If you sort of just want to tackle the whole thing and say a month, you know, we're, we're get, heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas. If you want to get it done, there's a 30-day declutter and it's listed out each day what space to tackle. So you don't even have to think about that. I've already done it for you. So, and even if you don't do it perfectly, I mean, life happens. Even if you don't do it perfectly, the the name is, of the game is sort of make progress, like get better, do better, um, make your house more welcoming by getting rid of some things that you don't need. And um, yeah, and so those are really, really helpful because not a, not everyone is going to work for everyone in the same at the same time, right? Everyone's in a different season. And so with the seasons, there's a couple of different things. There's seasons of life. If you have little kids and your house is messier than it used to be, give yourself some grace with that. It's a season and that's just how it's going to be. Can you still make progress? Yeah, but it's not going to look the same as someone who is single, as someone who is newly married, as someone whose kids are grown. And so give yourself grace in what you expect of yourself as well and just make progress. And then the seasons... I mean, yeah, like each season, I live somewhere where there's four very, very distinct seasons. And so we have a lot of stuff. We have all the winter gear. We have all the summer stuff, the pool stuff, like all those things. And so if we don't tackle those and look at them, at least look at them as we're sort of swapping things out each season, we're going to have a lot of overlap, right? And so at the end of one season, say summer, because, you know, summer's just come to an end, um, look at your summer stuff and see what's broken, what you didn't use this year and get rid of it. And then look forward to your fall stuff and see okay, well, I didn't, I don't like this anymore. Or, you know, we didn't use it last year and I forgot to get rid of it or I hadn't gotten that far yet and get rid of it. And so as you're going through these things seasonally, you know, Christmas is coming as you bring out your Christmas decor. What don't you love anymore? What could you pass along and bless someone else with? Um, what's broken? So seasonally looking at your things, like sort of just being in the mindset of just giving it even just a quick look at each season is huge for keeping the clutter out of your house and and sort of streamlining things. All right. And if you're saying to yourself as you're listening right now, okay, my challenge is the sentimental stuff or my challenge <laughs> is the things that some other member of my family thinks we really should keep because they have a resistance to purging and get a, getting rid of things. Um, mm -hmm. Shannon deals with those uh, issues in the book as well. The book is The Clutter Fix. Shannon Atchison is the author. You can visit with her online at homemadelovely.com, homemadelovely.com. And if you're interested in um, entering the drawing for the copies of the book we have to give away today, text the word book to 877 Eight, four. Shannon, I think we should have you back in a couple of months um, for like a checkup. That sounds great. I would love to. Yeah, because that would help yeah. me with some accountability. Okay, fair. Yeah. So you can ask me when we talk again, um, <laughs> which method I employed and how I'm mm -hmm. doing on the maintain, 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 because that's the conversation <laughs> we didn't get to today that I think right. we're going to need to have. Right. Yes, that's Is important that too, for sure. Yeah, right. absolutely. All right, Shannon, what a delight. Thank you so much. The Clutter Fix. You can find uh, Shannon and connect with her and the book at homemadelovely.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Count your blessings. Move on 
When I think about Thanksgiving and I think about things that I do in Thanksgiving, prayer tops that list. And I was thinking about the prayer that the Apostle Paul offers for his fellow Christians in the opening chapter of the book of Colossians. And I thought I would just share that prayer here as we close out our special edition of Mornings with Carmen on this Thanksgiving day. So these are the words of the Apostle Paul. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love that you have for all of God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you have already heard and the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives you, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Friends, have a happy Thanksgiving, and God bless.